We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the What's Up Falcons podcast, Summer Camp Edition. It's time to get to work. That's right. I'm talking to you, Vic Beasley, with Rock Hoop Q, Aries Falcon, and keeping it sexy, LG. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the uh, What's Up Falcon Summer Camp Edition series. And we're back here again, and we're going to talk about what everything Falcons, what's happening in OTAs, what's going on with the upcoming summer camp, what we're expecting, what we, you know, we're expecting for certain players, any information that we can find out. So we're just going to bring it to you on a weekly basis if we can until time of the regular season. And uh, we have joining us tonight. We have Hoop in the house. What's going on, Hoop? Just maintaining, ready for the fourth. I'm running the Petri tomorrow. Pray for me. <laughs> I will pray for you, brother. I will pray for you because I haven't done it yet, but I'll pray for you. And we also have Aries Falcon in the house. What's going on, Aries? Hey, what's going on, man? Just can't wait for the season to start. I am dying to see what Tack is going to do this year, what Vic is going to do this year. I'm just, I'm just all set and ready to, to get it, to get it going. Indeed, indeed. And we also have keeping it sexy, Al G enough in the house. What's going on, Al? What's going on? What's going on, man? Ready for this uh, new regime of this defense, man? With with my man, uh, Dr. Quinn here, man, you know, going to bring it back this year. Yes, so we're going to have a, a new regime on this defense, I think. He better. He better. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see it. And uh, Q is on vacation in, in, in Cancun, so he's not here. But we do, fellas, we have a special guest with us today. We have a longtime radio Falcon sideline reporter. If you live here in the ATL, I know you know his voice. Uh, his name is Mr. John Michaels in the house. What's going on, John? What's going on, guys? You want to talk about ready for football? I, I just want to get through vacation and come back and know that we have college football and the NFL. Hell, hell the Falcons play in less than a month. Granting it's a meaningless preseason game, you'll get to see the Dirty Birds on the field. What is it? August 1st is the first game. So we're less than a month away from Falcon football. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that the Hall of Fame game? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Can't wait. Can't wait. I know, man. We all can't wait to get to that, man, because we're all excited, man. I mean, you know, 
we, 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 we've all seen what happened so far, you know, last year and with the injuries and just, you know, the overall performance and the change of uh, the whole entire, you know, they re, re, they re-clean house to a degree as far as coaching goes. And and uh, right. it's been a little controversial, you know, and we, we've talked on it uh, on the last episode with uh, Toby D from Pound from Pound, but uh, we're lucky enough to have John with us who's actually been in the trenches with those guys and can really give us some real good intel. And uh, we also, you know, John can tell us a lot, man. So, uh, John, so far, man, how are you feeling? Let's start at the top. How are you feeling about their draft picks? Um, I'll be honest. I thought they drafted Chris Lindstrom too early. Um, I did, you know, 55 mock drafts and a lot of different things and, and simulated drafts where it would simulate where the other uh, team were picking. And I kept seeing Chris Lindstrom in the 40s and 50s. Now, the kid has tremendous talent. Unfortunately, I watched Boston College on a Friday night mud stomp by Miami Hurricanes. And they kept running behind Chris Lindstrom and that big offensive line there. So the kid's a mauler. The kid's a, you know, he's one of those dudes that you want, you want to go into a street fight with. Caleb McGarry's another guy that I saw as a second round pick. And Thomas Dimitrov, he's always been a guy that if he wants a dude, he'll trade up and go get him. And they did just that. So um, I, I thought they drafted the guys a little bit high. But that was what had to be done. Rick Hamlin and I talked about it from the time that the season ended last year. Right. And DQ mentioned it at the postseason press conference. They had to fix three of the five spots on the offensive line. Mack and Matthews were safe and everybody else was pretty much poop. So they got rid of all the poop. They went out and drafted some guys. They brought in some offensive line guys. Um, you know, I like the idea of who they took. Now it's can they live up to where they were drafted but TD, you know, TD wanted those guys. DQ wanted those guys. And, and that might be your starting right side of your offensive line in the opening week. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know. A lot of depth. A lot of depth, man. A lot of depth on offensive line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and they really needed to, man. I mean, after, after what happened last year, they really need to get a lot of depth in there, man. I mean, here's the thing. Look. <laughs> Last year reminded me of 2015 in DQ's first year where you you came out of the uh, preseason and you're looking at James Stone and Mike Person and and all of these guys at center and they go, oh my God, this isn't going to work. We traded for Andy Levitri. We kind of mucked around with, you know, Person played center. He was rolling ground balls back to Matt Ryan. James Stone couldn't block me. I'll be honest, if I was playing the one technique, he just struggled at center and wasn't a guy that was an NFL player. Right. So going into 2016, they you know, he signed a Chris Chester and everybody goes, what the hell are you getting Chris Chester for? Well, Chester ended up being a really good right guard and everything was solidified. And you go to the Super Bowl because the five starters played every single meaningful snap right. during the regular season in the playoffs. And if Alex Mack isn't nursing a broken leg basically in the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl. And there's a hundred reasons you should have won that game. Last year reminded me of 15 because once people started getting hurt, you know, I got to know Ben Garland. Ben Garland's one of the great people in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Ben Garland's not a guy that you want starting 16 games. Right. Um, You you looked at the other other position at guard, and and now the guy's there, Wes Schweitzer. Schweitzer, He was a a six-round pick for a reason. Great dude, hard worker. I want him as a backup or a rotation guy. I don't want him taking every snap. Ryan Strader, you got the most out of him. This is an undrafted dude who ended up getting a big contract in the league and was a solid right tackle for a few years. And then he hit the wall. 
And you knew you had to replace it. When you've got a $150 million quarterback, you've got a running back that's making 50 million bucks in, in Devontae Freeman, and you're predicated on outscoring a lot of people, your O-line had to be fixed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. totally 100% agree with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I'll be telling everybody out here, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, man. And I mean, actually, you know, that, that's been kind of a little a little rumbling since the Smitty days, especially the last few of Smitty's years here about our O-line and protecting Matt. But I think we kind of like what you like the, the, the players you were talking about. I think that kind of masked the overall issue, but uh, it kind of showed its head last year. Yeah, and when and when they were healthy, the offensive line was good. I think one of the things that I'll like better this year, I've never been a finesse run guy. Right. I hate, I and the zone blocking scheme works. It works great for Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman when he was here. That one cut outside zone, and I know they're going to run some of those principles again this year. I want offensive linemen that want to knock your dick in the dirt. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I can say that. Yeah, you can say I that. Want, I want those kind of guys. I want a guy that looks at the dude in front of you and says, I'm going to put your face mask in the mud. And come, Alex Mack plays that way. Uh, Harvey Dahl, when he was here, he hit a cheerleader. He didn't care. And I'd say that facetiously. Harvey Dahl would hit somebody in Section 305 if they were in the way and they were wearing the wrong colors. That's the dudes I want on the offensive line. And that's what McGarry and that's what Lindstrom are. And if you watched any of the film when they were in college, those guys are trying to hurt you. And I think with Dirk Cutter, they're going to be a lot more physical up front running the football this year. And for Matt Ryan, that's going to make it easy for him to throw the ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait to see it. Me either. Me either. Man. All right. Well, what? Okay. That's all right. What do you think about the uh, your thoughts on our defense, man? I mean, last year, you know, we had a lot of unfortunate injuries early in the year, right after the, the uh, season opener, and um, and our and our, and our secondary wasn't ready at all. So, um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on our defense? You think that what the moves that they made so far, they can get it back to 2016? I think simply you're you were a top 10 defense in 2017 when your defense was healthy. Um, you're going to have some guys that come back for And Keanu Neal looks like he's 100%. You know, I know Deion Jones had a procedure after the season to kind of clean up some stuff on his foot. Debo will be fine. We talked to him, and Debo, Debo was like, dude, I'm fine. It's just a procedure to get everything perfect. The guy I truly worry about, only because I've had the same injury as Rico, Rico's coming off the Achilles, and that's a year injury. Right. And it's not just, hey, can you be back in a year? You can be back probably in eight months where you're running and doing everything that you were before. Mentally, it probably takes another six to eight months to really go, all right, I can go 100%. And I know Rico was doing running stuff a couple of months ago and knowing Rico the way that I knew him, he's going to work his rear end off to get back. But I think it's going to be October or November before you truly see the Ricardo Allen you were getting a year ago. Now, the great thing is DeMonte Casey came on last year and you realize this is the jack of all trades. He can play safety. I think he's going to play a lot of nickel corner this year and you're going to need him. Um, I guess if I look defensively, though, the, the simple question is, can we get pressure on the damn quarterback? I'm tired of watching QB sit back there and hold the ball. Grady's got to live up to 15 million bucks this year. Vic Beasley's making, what, 12 or 13? You better give me 12 or 13 sacks. And Tack McKinley, I love the guy. I think he's crazy in the right way when it comes to being a football player. I need double-digit sacks out of you. You're a first-round pick, and it's time to live up to that in year number three. 
Exactly. Exactly, Johnny. Yep, I, yep. Exactly. You you brought up an interesting. I was going to wait a little later to bring this up, but since you kind of touched on it, I'll go ahead and bring this up. Let's talk about Mr. Vic Beasley for a minute, man. John, you know everyone's a little upset that he that they even agreed to bring him back. I mean, he had that one great season, but it's just like Vic is just you know he's not getting the numbers that he that he did before, and it's just like we're ready to move on. What I mean, you you've been next to him, you've seen him, and all that. What's what's your take on Vic? Vic's a different dude. As a, Vic is a very quiet, like off the field, very quiet, kind of unassuming. He's a great guy. Every time we had him on, he was as nice as can be. Yeah. You know, we've done some work with his charity. He does a lot to give back to his community. The, the issue is on the field, it, he never built off what 2016 was. Talk about a guy that had 15 and a half sacks. You don't walk into 15 and a half sacks in the NFL. So the talent is obviously there with Vic Beasley. It's just the light doesn't always go on. I used to always joke, you got to take a safety pin and jab Vic Beasley in the back to piss him off. And when he's pissed off and watch them against Carolina, he, he doesn't like Cam Newton for whatever reason. Every time they play the Panthers, Vic Beasley is on Cam Newton's rear end. But... There's other games that Vic just goes through the motions. We went in free agency, and, and Rick and I were talking a lot during free agency, and I looked at all these different defensive ends that you could have signed. Because right. fans were like, why the hell did you pick up the option? Now, they had to pick up the option, you know, months ago. They could have cut him uh, before. I forgot what the drop-dead date was, but they could have let him go, yeah. or they could have come up with a long-term deal. They don't want to pay him long-term. They also didn't want to let him walk. And I think DQ looks at it and says, with me being the defensive coordinator, I want to try one more year with Vic Beasley. And if I can get Vic Beasley to get closer to what he was before, all right, now you sign him a year from now to five years and 50 million bucks or whatever it may be, and you feel happy about it. If he's still a five or six act guy, he's done at the end of the year. And they had already kind of pegged that money for defensive end. There wasn't a guy out there that you were going to get in that price range that was even as good as Vic Beasley. And then you'd have to remember you were going to lock yourself into four or five years of a guy. And I don't think Thomas Dimitrov wanted to have another Ray Edwards situation play out. So they did the one year. Right. Me personally, oh God, I no. would <laughs> me, me personally, I wouldn't have paid him the, the fifth year option. That's just me. Right. But I understand the way they go about business. They're all about family. They're all about team. And, you know, Vic has been a contributor to this group for a long time. He has, my, he, he, he has, John, but, um, okay, Dan did go to bat for him, and Dan was quoted in saying that, you know, he's either going to love me or hate me, you know, because he's going to do a hands-on approach. For me, a guy that's going in, that's been here for four years already, shouldn't have to have the coach saying that type of thing about him. He should be a veteran right about now. And then the second thing is, him not showing up for OTAs. I know they're not mandatory. I know that's not the issue at all. But I'm thinking just for a look, or you would want to get all the help that you can get and at least show that you're willing to make the effort to do whatever it takes. Even if you're just out there for moral support, standing there watching something, you know, doing something that you really are in it because my coach came up and bat, up to bat for me to stay when everyone else is turning their back on me. Now, he was at the mandatory OTAs. He was not at the voluntary workout portion. Right. I've always, and I. Hello? 
I'm go play and I'm happy. And I'm the same way when it comes He's to Hey, Joe, re- repeat that part. You kind of went out on us. All right, having issues on John's side this time. Uh, uh, John, you still there? Uh, yeah, he's, still, he's still here, but I think he's cutting in and out. Oh, okay. Uh, no, but to, but to touch on his subject about Vic, I, I saw a, a press interview right after practice, probably about a week ago. Right. And the energy he was putting out I didn't like it's like he had this vibe like he didn't want to be there like at all like he didn't want to be in in Atlanta at all because because then you watch the the, the interview with with Grady Jarrett he's he's like right you know what I'm saying oh I'm oh I'm, oh, I'm excited you know what I'm saying to, to be back I can't wait to get out there with the field you know with my brothers and right. and Vic was just like yeah you know, I'm working hard. I mean, just so bland, and and it, and it kind of turned me off. You know, to write them in there. So whether whether I'm to me personally, right. as a fan, I don't want I don't want to see him there next year. Just just because of that, it's, it's just he had that vibe to where he didn't want to be there. Right, right, right. That that's just how Vic is. Vic is just a quiet dude. He doesn't do media all that well. All right, we've had him on and you, sitting with him and trying to like pull information out of him he's a very short guy with the media and and that's just a scenario that plays out with Vic it's not going to be different like I said quiet unassuming he's a country music guy that's just who Vic Beasley is I've seen but I've seen uh, you know what I'm saying like past interviews to where he has more you know what I'm saying excitement in in his voice and and he's like he's like happy and that that last interview it kind of hit me it it hit me weird like it was like what the hell is wrong with you like you know what I'm saying right Coming back to the season, everybody's healthy. You know, he should be happy, excited. He was ready to get to work, but it was just like he was going to a job he didn't like. You know, right? And and if that's the case, you hate it. I don't, I don't think that's the case with Vic. I, I also don't think he is. I'm trying to say this as carefully as I can. I don't know that football drives him as much as it does other people. You know, there's some yeah. guys that will die for football. I think Vic Beasley loves playing the game. Right. I don't think it consumes his life the way that maybe fans want it to. And I wanted to go back to my point about OTAs. I know I cut out a little bit there yeah. uh, with the signal where I'm at. Yeah. My point on OTAs, I don't want to play hypocrite because, again, I don't care if Julio Jones ever shows up to OTAs. I don't care if Matt Ryan ever shows up to OTAs. OTAs, players hate. Because guess what? A, you're not getting paid. They only get paid during the actual regular season. I get it. These guys are mostly millionaires, so it doesn't matter. B, the only thing that can happen during OTAs is bad. How many teams have lost players during OTAs to non-contact injuries? You You don't learn a damn thing on the defensive line that you don't already know. They're out there. I think they get an hour and a half for practice three days on a weekend. I think it is the most overblown, stupid story in all. Ooh, somebody just burned some fries. Reported it because it didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was, oh, a guy got hurt. The difference is now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sports coverage. It's sports talk. And don't get me wrong. That's my career. I love it. There are times in May and June we need something to talk about. Right. And we take a one sentence blurb from d and we can turn it into a four hour show because fat people consume football. Yeah. But OTAs mean nothing. 
I know Mike and Carl went crazy last year yeah. for Julio not showing up all these different times. And Julio went and put up 1,600 yards. Right. It doesn't matter if Vic's there. What matters is when the pads come on and you're actually doing live reps against another live human being, right. he needs to improve that. Yeah, you're right about OTAs. Yeah. What's the guy's name came from Dallas that went to New Orleans receiver in his career? Des Bryant? Des oh, Bryant. Then he was going to feel OTAs and ending his career. It's what, it's what yeah. happens. Like I said, it's non... First of all, you're, you're coming from an offseason and all these guys work out. And, and it, there's this isn't the 70s where they need six weeks to get back into shape. These right. dudes work out year round. But there are times when you immediately go back to doing that type of work where you're doing full speed cuts and full speed, you know, all the different things that you do when you're playing football. The body might not be ready for it. And they need to ramp up into that. And that's why these guys hate OTAs. They don't like it. It's not fun. And again, outside of the rookies, the rookies learn because they're getting an iPad and they're learning a playbook and they're figuring out how to be a pro. Right. You're Vic Beasley. It's your fifth year in the league. You're Grady Jarrett. It's your fifth, you know, fifth year in the league. You don't need to be in OTAs. Right. Uh, Matt Ryan does it because he's the quarterback and he's the leader of the team. Matt Ryan doesn't learn a damn thing in OTAs that he doesn't already know. Right, right, right. But I mean, I, I'm not going to harp on more about the, the, the Beasley thing. I think overall, not. It's it's more of a. It seems like a disconnect as far as the brotherhood, as far as you know what's happening and him not choosing to show up. I mean, I know it doesn't mean anything, but I think overall, just the look of it, it's going to set the fans off. That's all. Yeah, and, and you know what? I go back to what Austin Hooper said to Rick and I on Radio Row. Right. And it's not disrespect to fans, and I know a lot of people got mad at Austin with what he said, but he kept it real. Outside of the 53 that are in that locker room, and you, you throw the coaching staff and the practice squad guys, Outside of those guys, it doesn't matter. They don't care. Yeah, they want to win for fans. They understand fans being there as part of them being paid, part of the league, making all the money. But as far as – there's not a player out there that goes, man, I got to show up to OTAs today because Joe in the truck is going to get mad at me. He doesn't give a damn about you, and nor should he. Same way I didn't – you know, I showed up to work every day because I, I loved my job. I didn't care if people hated me on the air, if people loved me on the air. I just wanted you to listen. And that's how Falcons play. That's how every player in the NFL is. They don't care if you love them or hate them. Just show up and be in a game. Spend money, and they're good. Now, I've heard heard, um, some comments from the great Chuck Smith, who everyone knows is a legend. (laughs) And he's a legend on Mm -hmm. this show in more than one ways. And they, you know, they <laughs> and they talked to him about Vic and what's going on with him, and has he reached out to Chuck? And Chuck's like, no, he hasn't heard anything from him. But Chuck said, Vic, it's like what you're saying. Vic has the built, he has the ability and the skill set, but he doesn't. He said Vic is lacking a signature move. He's like, mm-hmm. Vic does not have that. And he's like, all the great pass rushers have a signature move. He's like, Vic is so predictable. He he has this, the quickness, but he just doesn't have a signature move. And until he develops that, he's never going to be that guy that he could be. And I think that's the issue. And it, and it really sucks that you have somebody who's a talented uh, a trainer like that, and this guy is not taking advantage of that. It's crazy. And Chuck's my guy. I've known Chuck 15 years. Love Chuck Smith and everything that he does. 
Think about the best year Vic Beasley had. Who was on the team? Dwight Freeney. Yeah. What, what did Dwight Freeney have? That, mm-hmm. One of the greatest spin moves in the history of defensive ends in the NFL. And Vic, you, if Vic had a counter, because he has one of the great get-offs in the league, but what offensive linemen do now is they just push him by the quarterback because he's trying to bend that corner. But if you know he's not going back to the inside, you know he's not going to loop inside, you know he's not going to spin, he's not going to chop, he's not going to, he doesn't have the hump move that Reggie White had. He doesn't have any of that. Right. It's pure speed. Well, an offensive lineman knows I got to get my ass back there and I'm going to push him. And my quarterback steps up in the pocket and we're good to go. Right. And that's where Vic is lacking. If he had a spin move back to the inside, like Dwight Freeney, he would be a 15-sack guy every single year. And I don't know why he doesn't work out with Chuck. I, I know Chuck has jokingly and probably not jokingly offered many times to help out. Right. And I watch the Chuck Smith drills, and yeah, I use some of them in flag football. People don't like when I use a chop <laughs> when we're not supposed to be uh, doing any kind of <laughs> I just tell Big Chuck just taught me. Just get into it. Yeah, just, just tell big, big Chuck taught me, that's all. <laughs> Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we'll, we'll get off Big Beasley, man. There are, there are other players on here we need to talk about, too. And uh, I want to bring up Trufant, and I would love to want to know, John, your thoughts on Desmond Trufant. Uh, do you want to talk about guys that has something to prove? Yeah. It's Desmond Trufant. And I like Des. I think, unfortunately, the injury he had two, was it two years ago now? Well, I guess it was the, the end of the Super Bowl run. Yeah. It jacked him up in yeah. 2017. He was never the same guy. I thought True played well last year. He played better than Rocky Offer, and that's why Desmond's still on the football team. But Des now doesn't have his running mates for the last couple of years. Poole's gone. Uh, obviously, Rocky's gone. Um, you're going to have a new corner and, and and Oliver, Isaiah Oliver, and you're probably going to have a new nickel guy in Devontae Casey. Right. True needs to turn back to the guy that he was. The guy that he was was a player who was a solid number one. I don't know that he was ever a lockdown number one, but he was a solid number one. The last few years, he played more like a number two corner at best. The potential is there for Dez to get back to where he was, but he's got to make those plays. How many times last year did he have an interception in his hand and not come through with it? We lost the Cincinnati Uh, game because he dropped the interception. But Dez is a good dude. He's a hard worker. He needs needs to come out that jersey, though. I tell you that. He needs to come out that 21. (laughs) The Bengals game, a drop, Cowboys game, and the Saints game, I believe. Yep. I, the Bengals one sticks out to me. I had to do that. So I come, you know, I normally will stay on the field till after the game's over and I did all our Facebook stuff down on the field. And then I'd go upstairs and join Mike and uh, DJ. Right. Last year, Mike was out, I think, for an Atlanta United game. So I had to get upstairs. So two minute warning, I tell Wes and Dave, I'm sprinting upstairs. So I'm in the booth and I'm like, awesome. It's going to be cool. Got us a win. He drops it, and we all look like, oh, God, here it comes. And sure enough, next or two plays later, boom, in the end zone, touchdown, since he wins, and, and, and the rest is history. But he needs to take a step forward. You know, all these guys coming back from injury, we think they're going to be fine, and we think they're going to be players. I need Desmond Trufant to go back to being a number one. If not, he's a guy that won't be here much longer. I don't have his contract in front of me. I know there was not an out this year, which is why he's still there. Right. As soon as there's a year that he has an out on the contract, I think Desmond Trufant is a guy that the Falcons may move and find a different corner if he doesn't improve his level of play. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So it's another thing. Two more years then. 
I'm looking for a new corner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but and that's just the way that it works. You're always going to be oh, looking yeah. for the next guy. I, and I'm trying to pull up now the uh, the contract scenario uh, is, and how it plays out with Desmond Trufant. I don't remember right off the top of my head. Normally in these contracts, they have an out about three or four years into it where you can cut him. Yeah, he's going to have some dead cap money, uh, but you'll get out from under him and not pay near as much money as you did before. So, of course, my computer is working about as fast as uh, as fast as some of the guys from 92.9 were running the 40 on video today. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> See, you look on Carl Dukes' page. It was uh, CCV, Deshaun Tate, and Eric Davis, the engineer. Oh. They were racing in a 40-yard dash. Now, Tate ran like a 5.8 in the 40 the other day on video and the three of them running in the parking lot which was hilarious so Desmond Trufant right now I, I've got the numbers in front of me okay. he's going to make 13.9 this year had you cut him before the year you would have had 24 million dollars in dead cap money which means that's 24 million you're paying to Desmond Trufant and you can't use to sign other players so they could not do that right. next year Desmond Trufant is going to make 15.1 million but you still have a dead cap of 10 million no team will cut a guy with 10 million dollars in dead money so you've got Des minimum until 2021 now 2021 I would probably guess Desmond and Trufant's not on the team because he's slated to make 16.1 million. Right. His dead money's only 5.8. By then, the oh, salary yeah. cap's going to be up another six or ten million. He probably will <laughs> he not don't. be there at that point unless a game starts playing better. Yeah, he's he's gone. <laughs> or they ask him. To, they they do like Brooks Reed, and they say, "Look, we owe you, you know, twenty million. We're going to stretch you out, and we're going to change this number, and we're going to make it more cap friendly." So that's something else that could happen. You know, it's a renegotiation with Desmond Trufant. I like him as a player. I think he has potential. He just needs to play better than he has the last couple of seasons. Yeah, but it's like John said earlier. You know, if it's if it's working up front, it'll help Desmond out. You know, if we can get the pressure up front. It helped those guys out on the backside. So we'll see what happens up front and then go from there. That's true. But uh, that, that'll save them. If they can play up front, that'll probably save them. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's the key to any defensive backfield. Think about it. When the yeah. Legion of Boom was great for Seattle, and, and don't get me wrong, Earl Thomas, uh, Richard Sherman, you know, yeah. uh, Cam Chen, that was a different group. But it didn't hurt that you had like eight guys on the D-line that were like gazelles getting to the quarterback. The Falcons, if they get back to getting pressure, and that's what they did in 16, they weren't great defensively by any stretch. But when they were playing great, they got just enough pressure where they were coming up with turnovers. I need Grady, and Grady played his ass off last year. I need Grady, Vic, Tack, you know, Jack Crawford. Um, Adrian Claiborne back now. I need yes. the young kid Kaminsky. Yes. I need Deidre Sanat. Yes. That group has to get back to getting pressure on the quarterback. And I'd like to see him use Devondre Campbell rushing a little bit more because Devondre, can, he can get some pressure when you send some blitzes with him. Let me ask you this, John. How you how you feel about We talk about this guy all the time. How you feel about Duke Riley? What's up, everybody? This is Rock, and I hope you're enjoying this interview with Mr. John Michaels. But make sure you tune in next week for the second part, part four of our summer camp series, to find out what he has to say about Duke Riley and Ricardo Allen and a lot of great people on his team. So I know I can't wait to hear it, so I know you can't either. So make sure you uh, tune in and download next Monday. All right, guys, see you next week. 
check out the What's Up Falcons podcast exclusively at armchairallamericans.com. Subscribe to the What's Up Falcons podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Listen to the What's Up Falcons podcast at whatsupfalcons.com.